This is the Upmarket Global Privacy Podcast with Anthony and DeAndre. Managing your company's global privacy can be complicated. Our weekly podcast discusses how to get and stay privacy compliant no matter where you are in the world. Each episode features how-to steps, news, updates, changes in the law, and the latest enforcement activity from around the world. Check us out at upmarket.com. That's U-P-P-Market.com. Follow us anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And if you love us, leave us a great review. This podcast is not only going to be informational, there's tactical and actionable details that people can capitalize on to put their best foot forward where global privacy is concerned. And I think that that's kind of the focus for today's show. Each week, we're going to be building upon the success of the previous episode so people listening can execute uh, all the details needed for a successful privacy policy because there are a ton of moving parts and there are differences between what needs to happen in the U.S. uh, specific to certain states and what needs to happen in Europe for GDPR compliance. And there's a lot of questions around cookies and is my website compliant? Do I work with individuals? So first, a basic building block for what brands, regardless of industry, need to draft a privacy policy. Then you would need to execute the privacy policy. And by that means just roll it out globally. And a lot of people also think, silly, it doesn't have any forms. It's just informational. But they forget they have something like Google Analytics hooked up to their informational website, which saves cookies and collects the data on the users that um, visit the website. And so even though the um, specifics going to your website are not entering in information, you know, filling out a contact form or something like that, they are still having data collected when they go to your website. And um, depending on the jurisdiction, you know, if you're talking about you know, places in the U.S., they have to be able to opt out, you know, place other places, other jurisdictions, you know, it's opt in. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of um, country specific uh, legislation that you do have to watch out for, even if you're you do business in, in the United States, unless you are actually blocking your website from being accessed um, by other countries, which really is not going to work. IP blocking doesn't really get you the compliance standards that you actually need. The privacy policy is written. It gets, most people think that once they've attached the global privacy policy link to the footer of their website, that they're done. That is not true. There needs to be other things that have to happen, like managing and updating the cookies from each of your website sites, excuse me, Globally speaking, so if you have an, uh, a .com for the U.S., a .it for Italy, you, you would need to have a version of that privacy policy and the cookie scrape from each versions, each version of those websites, updating the privacy policy akin to that specific country, and then continuously stay updated. So you would need a cookie management structure of sorts to stay privacy policy cookie compliant. A lot of people um, get tripped up around privacy policy. And so, you know, they hear privacy policy a million times. They hear it on the news. They hear, you know, privacy. 
and that's what they think. They think that uh, compliance is the privacy policy. But most places, you know, don't only require a privacy policy, you know, the terms of use, the um, do not sell um, link that um, CCPA uh, had, you know, added to websites, the cookie notice, which outlines what the cookies exactly are. And so not even just tracking the cookies, but being able to say, you know, I've worked with companies that have, you know, over 300 cookies and they only know what 10 of them are. That's right. And that is a big deal. I think that that's an important point. Most companies assume that they know the cookies that are in use on their site, but that isn't always, in fact, it's rarely the case. There are extensive cookies in use. They collect data in certain ways based on user type, all kinds of bits of information are gathered and collected and based on the specific country that can get you in a lot of trouble. So you not only need to know what cookies are in use on all of your websites, you have to notify in your privacy policy which cookies those are. And that, technically speaking, should be dynamic, meaning that there needs to be a service like upmarkets. I, you know, that, that's, um, I, I don't want to be too... Uh, pushy about what we do, but I do want to point out that we, we do offer this particular service. But what the main thing here is you have to keep your privacy policy updated with, with, with what cookies are in use dynamically so you're always compliant. You can't just get compliant as of last Thursday and call it a day. You have to stay compliant. And yes. then there's one other part. There's one other part that we're going to kind of slide over to for today, and that is the data subject request, which means somebody wants to opt out or say, what data do you have on me as a person? This process is called data subject request. This also needs to be a process that you have in the organization to manage your privacy concerns or your, your privacy compliance. So with that, it's not as simple as an email. Like you, you actually have to have a privacy process in place to handle DSRs. That that is correct, and it's just not for you know GDPR. Data subject requests have become a pretty pivotal part of any privacy legislation. Uh, the ability for somebody to go to a website, an email, a phone number, and contact a company to say, "Hey, I want all the data that you've collected on me," or "Hey, I want to have my data updated or rectified," as it's called in some legislation, having that form and having it translated into multiple languages, um, which is a, a plus, uh, is very important and a pivotal part of being compliant. Because of course the whole thing, <laughs> compliance with the whole law and, and frameworks are um, the pivotal there's a lot of small steps that you can take to um, get you as close as possible today other than um, waiting until you can update all of your sites. And, and, and just to like go back on a point that you were making, if you know you do a cookie scan today and you use that's one of the most popular platforms, WordPress, or you know when you talk about manufacturers, one of the popular, forms Joomla and yeah. Drupal, 
when you're using those platforms, of course, as security compliance goes, these platforms are being updated at least once a month. Oh, at least once a month. I mean, in between last Thursday, today, there could have been a new update rolled out for security or just a functionality update that um, rolls out a new cookie structure. Those things do need to get caught because as far as risk go, some people might be in low risk, you know, situations, but it's, if you are, let's say, dropping a cookie that's not a strictly necessary or functional cookie on somebody's um, browser that, you know, said that they wanted to block cookies, or if you um, don't even give them the option to opt in or opt out of um, cookies being added to their browser, that's a, a huge, um, let's say, a, a financial risk if the right person notices it. And this is probably a good place to do a quick summary on some of the moving parts. And this is, first of all, don't go it alone. If you, most brands think we can handle this internally and we're going to be just fine. Um, I'm going to read a quick article, and, and, and that might be true, but I always suggest leaning into a great law firm uh, like a K&L Gates. They can help draft the policy, uh, the privacy policy, even though a lot of times those are templated forms, but there are nuances in the policy that they can ascribe that are very useful and helpful that will get the brand uh, in the right place on the right side of the fence for privacy concerns. Also, cookie management and structure. Dynamically, you need to update your privacy policy dynamically with all the cookies across all of your websites. You will not know what cookies those are, even though you think you will know, you probably, you won't know. Not even probably, you won't know. And just like you said, websites are constantly being updated. Not only the website itself, but all the cookies in the infrastructure of the website are constantly being updated. And you need to make sure that those are dynamically updated in your privacy policy. Otherwise, you're not in compliance. Finally, data subject request processes. You need to be able to manage, technically speaking, all of those requests that come in. I want to update my data. I want to see what data you have on me. I'd like to opt out of my list or of your list. And you need to facilitate those processes the right way to stay in compliance. And here's where it gets interesting, I think. If you don't do it right, it can get really ugly really quick. And this is where the fines come in. So let's just talk for a moment. I'm going to review very quickly the kinds of fines that you can see. And it's not just massive corporations or companies that are getting these fines. Doctor's offices get fines. Lawyer's offices get fines. Uh, tiny little consulting boutique firms get fines. All the way up to the Amazons of the world. Google gets fines. So let's talk about this for one second. Now, first of all, there are fines for something, and we're going to get through all of these different types of of types of fines, but in, in a nutshell, insufficient fulfillment of information obligations is one type of fine. Insufficient fulfillment of data subject rights is another kind of fine. So for example, I just mentioned insufficient fulfillment of information obligations. That was a 1,000 euro fine. There's another fine for non-compliance with, with general data processing principles, $2,800 fine. Here's where it gets funny. Just because you can get caught for the exact same fine in five different countries and be fined five times for the same violation because you're not in violation 
but rather you're in violation in Hungary, in Spain, in Romania, in Poland, and in Italy for the exact same issue. So there are lots of ways they can find you. I'll give you a couple more examples here. If you're looking at so Amazon Europe was fined 746 million euros. Google, 50 million euros. There's a $100, oh, excuse me, a $100 million fine that FinCEN uh, enforced around privacy. Now, this got something to do with BitMix, uh, which is the marketplace for, for digital currencies. And you can read about that. There's going to be a link in the profile. But these fines can be quite significant. So don't think that this is a one and done process. And there's a whole website called enforcementtracker.com that lists every single day all of the new fines that are presented. And you will find everything from uh, fines that are a thousand euros all the way up to the hundreds of millions of euros. So it is a massive deal. The FinCEN, uh, for those that do not know, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network is what FinCEN stands for. But um, industry is important because, you know, it's a financial crime is what um, BitMEX is, is dealing with um, the repercussions of. And in their case, it's um, customer due diligence is what that was all about. It was all about the fact that you could sign up only with an email address and with just the email address you, without truly verifying the identity of the um, people using the platform, you are able to you know, buy and trade digital currency, which in the US, you know, we have a lot of anti-money laundering laws that banks have to abide by and um, giving BitMEX the benefit of the doubt, the issue was between 2014 and 2020. And they reported to um, the authorities that, you know, they were not doing any work with U.S. citizens. And so this goes back to another um, topic that we talked about earlier, which is, you know, even if they were blocking IPs from the U.S., from getting to their platform, that doesn't mean that you're not servicing U.S. citizens. <laughs> and, and, and so that one thing that, you know, people from the U.S. were able to go to the website, sign up with an email, and purchase um, digital currencies, Vincent's, um idea of it in their press release and in their um, continued enforcement on um, let's call them digital currency marketplaces. They will continue to say that, you know, it is a, I believe it is a meaningful risk to the financial system of the US when you do not um, comply with, you know, some of the more basic industry specific things People in the financial industry, you know, if you're um, the credit department at some of these um, manufacturers, collect credit applications, be it on paper or online, you know, is the platform PCI compliant that they're collecting the data in? Is it, you know, um, truly a uh, 
all the little aspects, all the different departments, you know, the marketing department uses um, MailChimp or Constant yeah. Contact. I was you just going to say that, uh, <laughs> and this is something maybe to end on, because we can talk about this for hours. In every episode, we're going to talk specifically about the different types of fines and the nuances for these type of non-compliance issues and how to take the right steps to get them solved. But I do want to end on this note that something is innocuous or as simple as MailChimp in Germany, uh, a company was uh, found to be non-compliant by simply using MailChimp in Germany, even MailChimp or the use of a constant contact or other types of simple email systems can get you in trouble. And you need to know what you're doing, how you're handling these processes. Is your company compliant at a privacy level, not just in the United States, but globally? And if so, are you compliant across all of the compliance laws across all of the countries? Uh, another just kind of something to consider here is just in the last couple of weeks, companies as big as Google and Vodafone and as small as doctor's offices have been fined hundreds of millions of euros and or dollars. So with that, sir, I think this is a good place to end because every single week we're going to be specifically talking about one or two tactical items about how to move the ball for privacy, specifically speaking, how to get things done and get and stay compliant. And we're also going to be ending on the types of fines that have been administered and why, and then try to help people avoid getting those particular fines. Uh, there's no, there's no uh, one size fits all solution here, but uh, this podcast is going to be dedicated to privacy from a global perspective to help brands get and stay compliant, which is the main thing and avoid getting those, those fines. Cause I got to tell you, if I got fined every single week from five different countries, a thousand dollars, I'd be broke real quick. Next week. Join DeAndre and me on the Global Privacy Podcast. We'll be talking about data privacy authorities, otherwise known as DPAs. Subscribe anywhere you find your podcasts and check us out at upmarket.com. That's U-P-P-Market.com.